tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches discuss Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray. <laughs> <laughs> I am used to introducing a different podcast and don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I am Jesse Blount. And we are talking about chapter three of Carry On, in which Simon is still on his way to Watford, and he is half-ass kidnapped by a goblin disguised as a cab driver. Simon kills the goblin with the Sword of Mages and cleans up the mess after cycling unsuccessfully through several spells. Finally, (laughs) Simon arrives to Watford on foot, and we get to see the grounds, his room, and most importantly, his BFF Penny. Yep. Easy come, easy go. All right, so we are entering our first segment known as Easy Come, Easy Go, in which we discuss all the things that don't belong in other segments of this podcast. <laughs> There's a moat. Can we just talk about, like, Watford? There's a moat. <laughs> I, actually, I actually am really here for this, like, realistic, this shit used to be a castle in the, like, 1500s, and now it's a school, because it has, like, a moat and, like, walls and, it's, and like, a gate around the grounds and then the rest of the buildings inside across the moat. It's so great. I think that this is actually based on what, like, realistic old castles have as far as, like, protection goes. Um, I know that some copies of this book come with a map, so we can always post a link to that in our show notes, because unlike Hogwarts, which is like how the, like what even is space and landscaping in that, in in this book, we get a nice little map of how Watford is laid out and it's very great. Mm -hmm. Definitely here for this. Speaking of the moat, it's full of (laughs) merwolves. I love everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's just like you get the best kind of magical creatures and just smush them together. I'm like, yes. So yeah, what do you what are you gonna do? You want to attack the castle full of mer and the moats full of merwolves? Just leave leave it be. You're not you know you don't want to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> Even if Baz does antagonize them, which seems shitty. <laughs> Doesn't that sound, like, really dangerous to have in, like, a castle full of children? I'm not 100% sold on these merwolves, honestly. (laughs) There are, like, 11-year-olds at this school. And I bet those wolves would happily eat a child. Every year one child falls into the moat and is never heard from again. Exactly. Listen, you you gotta learn sometime. (laughs) It's like the lesson about... You only got to touch a hot stove once. 
or if you've ADHD a few times to learn <laughs> that it is hot and you should not touch it. Uh, that's not like a style of like teaching children. I mean, no. Also, a, a lesson that you learn by dying is not the particularly effective <laughs> lesson. <laughs> this is from the Hogwarts School of Teaching Children, which yeah, is... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if one of them does, then everyone learns not to do that thing. Maybe. Or not. Maybe. Who cares? It's just, there's so, there's always more children. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What what else? I just want to talk about how Penny's roommate is a literal manic pixie girl. And for for the record, we wouldn't normally use something like manic to describe a character. But that is how she's described in the text number one and number two. Totally referencing the trope manic pixie dream girl is just really funny to me. <laughs> and that Penny like despises her. Yeah. It's even more funny. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I there is something so beautiful about being like, I'm gonna literally write a manic pixie dream girl into this book. And we don't ever really get to know Trixie particularly well, but we don't have to. Yeah. Just no, her existence is enough. It's like Chef's Kiss. I think it's just like, yes, that is so perfect. and the the like little tiny piece that we get describing like what what is makes her like annoying to penny where she's spelled her hair into a dandelion puff and then (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny i just love it so much yeah it's great so Speaking of things that are just really wonderful, uh, Penny's mom is super dramatic in a way that I am really here for. (laughs) And she she spelled her whole family out of a room, which is like a great like character development of like how fucking powerful Penny's family is, which we get we're really learning right because we also learned in this chapter how powerful her brother is one of her brothers but also it's just such a great like dramatic flair moment yeah i mean it's just like you just imagine this beautiful old woman like waving her arms and then like suddenly her entire family's just gone this is like this empty space where they were could you think of a more dramatic exit from a thing that no, absolutely not. Do you, I feel like I imagine it there being sort of like a localized, like tornado kind of effect. That just like <laughs> surrounded her family and hoofed them out of there. Some papers are blowing after they're gone. Like Exactly. Yes. I didn't until now, but I totally am. <laughs> Everyone's just like looking around. I mean, I know they're magicians, but still, you just don't expect six people to be all of a sudden be gone <laughs> you know in the middle of an argument right in an argument but yeah a, a scene a scene such a scene such a scene prompted by simon showing up bleeding from his pores which is a very gross visualization and also if someone please help him he's bleeding from his pores that is so sick oh <laughs> i know that seems worse than 
whenever horror movies something awful has happened and someone's like bleeding from like their eyes and their ears and their mouth which i think i already find a very effectively disturbing but like you have pores all over your body that's just like ugh. uh-huh yeah totally yeah we're both doing body horror physical <laughs> things listeners which you can't see <laughs> please imagine <laughs> We are both shuddering in horror at the things that we're describing just with our mouths. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (sighs) I know I said this before, but we get to see the uh, Sword of Mages in action, which is super cool. It's like, I don't know, he's basically magic set from a pocket dimension. And only because the sword trusts him. I'm like, yes. This is the kind of fantasy bullshit that I eat with a spoon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a magical sword any day and I'm here for it. So here for it. Yeah. And I'm glad that he has it because as we see in this chapter, his magic is not consistent. So. I can I just say also that the first time he puts it away, we don't get a description of what that looks like and so the second time he puts it away at the end of the chapter after penny shows up when he puts it away we get a description of like there's a particular way of moving his wrist that he has to do to put the sword away and it made me really happy to see that we got the detail of that yeah i deeply appreciate those little details Mm -hmm. and the little chant that he has to bring the sword into which is like so many things to say in the heat of the moment but i know it is not very effective if you need to like (laughs) rapidly pull your sword (laughs) let's get heavy so we can get light again So we're going to move into our next segment, which will be Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Let's talk about the goblins. Let's. So they're gunning for Simon because the mage is the worst and convinced the entire coven, a.k.a. their governance board, to presumably murder a bunch of goblins to get them out of Essex. And now, for some reason, their entire, now the goblins' entire basis of their government is dependent on someone murdering Simon to become the goblin king. Yeah. It's super relevant, right, that the mage didn't want the goblins driven out of Essex because they were murdering lots of normals, but because he was worried about losing regional slang. So, you know, in the in the context of this world, magic is based on things that normals say a lot. We don't we don't know too much about it so far, but it's clearly important that they have access to sayings and phrases and stuff. And so it's like the the goblins were like gobbling up people in bar bathrooms and the mage wasn't like that's bad. We should stop them he was like oh if they eat all the like low class people in essex we might lose access to things that they say that could give us new spells that is fucked up and it's fucked up 
Because the goblins aren't like, all right, someone kill the mage and then that person will be Goblin King. And they're like, kill this 16-year-old kid. <sighs> yeah. And I do, of course, love that Penny's like, oh, I wish, why can't they just vote for a king? And it's like, I wish they could because them trying to murder this kid. If no one, like, do you just not have a king if no one murders Simon? Like, what is your, what's going on with that? Just, yeah. Okay, so, but you said the mage is the worst and had Simon drive them out of Essex. My question is, do you feel that the goblin should have been left alone? I mean, I don't think the goblin should have been left alone to eat people. But the goblins are also people. They could have, like, figured something else out that was potentially less violent, maybe? Mm -hmm. Could have had a treaty? Could have had a little, like, convention? Could have had a little sit-down? Could have eaten some scones and figured out... (laughs) Ooh, the goblins could have eaten instead. Something. <laughs> Something. Who as in like what people <laughs> they could eat? Listen, I'm sure there's a lot of terrible people that those goblins could have been eating instead. <laughs> Rich people. I don't know. Oh my god. Not, not like people who like are just blue collar workers just trying to have a drink at the pub after work. They didn't I, do no, shit. I agree. Maybe they could have <laughs> just like had Eb raise some extra goats for the goblins. Something, some deer. I don't, they're deer in, in in England. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm I'm with you. You're right. They sh- <laughs> they're people. They definitely could have at least tried to have a a conversation. Yeah. So, in all the ways, that's really fucked up. I think I'm most angry about the mage's motivation. No, that's legit. I think I'm just the most angry that someone should help Simon not get murdered by goblins, and it does not seem like anyone is. Yeah, that too. And it sucks that it seems like there's a lot of reasons for any goblin really to murder him. Mm-hmm. It's not a great situation all around. No, it's really not. <laughs> so Simon kills this goblin. And it, I guess the scene like really shows us how just totally used to violence Simon is. That his, you know, he's not good at magic. He doesn't feel like he could do something with magic about the situation but he's just like this goblin is kidnapping me they want to kill me i'm gonna murder it like first thought that he goes to and i just that shows us so much about like his his mental state i guess and the you know we see in this scene which is so gory we see him fucked up but we also see how like not fucked up he is if that makes sense he's just sort of like yep i'm covered in blood and like car accident dust and gotta get rid of this mess like whatever but i don't know i also feel like we see him it's like you're you're gonna like have nightmares tonight you know uh, I just had a really horrible thought. What's that? Which is, what if the reason why, say, the mage, who seems to be the most powerful magician we that we that at least we know of, isn't doing anything about this whole goblin situation? So Simon just becomes more desensitized to having to kill goblins that are inevitably going to come after him. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's very clear that. You're right, like, Simon is super desensitized to the violence of what is going on. And part of it is, I think, is that, you know, we, it, 
later in the book we get sort of hints at like all of the shit he has gone through in the past six or seven years however long his school his schooling is and I mean a lot of it he's going through like alone or like with other students and it's this is all contributing to him just being like the sort of weapon that the mage is shaping him into Mm -hmm. that Simon like kind of references in like chapter two or whatever right but but we're but we're really seeing we're really seeing it here Mm -hmm. yeah so another way that we see it here is in his like hyper vigilance right penny comes to his door and he immediately draws his sword even though he's like at school and presumably safe now i mean yeah he just had a really traumatic thing like 20 minutes ago an hour ago and no one seems to care right you know he meets penny's brother at the gate and he's like what happened and someone's like i killed a goblin and he's like all right, let me clean up his blood. And like, that's, that is the end. That is the end of that conversation. Yep. And like, even Penny's like, oh man, they really should, the goblins, I wish some goblins could just vote on their next king. And it's like, okay, but he, Simon just like straight up killed a person. Right. And was, and was kidnapped and someone attempted to murder him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, like, do you need the nurse? nothing just nothing right not even a like do you just sit down for a bit i mean he is very hungry because he's only had like a bag of chips and a candy bar so yeah what else uh i just want to at least mention that in the conversation between Premal and simon we just get hints of sort of the mage's own sort of i mean i guess at this point we don't know if it's paranoia but definitely his interest in an increased security at the school Mm-hmm. which just is like it just feels because like dude it's a school right and just especially if it's before the mage it just seems like the watford gates only really kept out normals mm-hmm. and would accept any magician i guess we don't know if people like goblins count as that true but the mage is like oh no that's not good enough and it's like uh that's real weird yeah just like, you already have a moat full of merwolves. That seemed pretty dangerous. Like, it just seems almost, like, too warmongery, obsessed with protection. It just feels like, it just seems very uncomfortable, because I feel like whenever, like, U.S. politicians do shit like that, it's very, like, oh, what? What is yeah, the, like, think... underlying? Exactly. The motivation is often to, to rate, like, make people afraid. And not the people that you're, like, keeping out, but the people who you're keeping in, the people who are being allegedly protected. I'm interested in the the phrase on the gate, magic separates us from the world, but nothing separates us from each other. So that's very old, right? The schools from the 1500s and the gates presumably have been there for that long. And to me, that that phrase seems to indicate that at least at that time, there was a sense of it. So it seems like now there's a sense of like elitism associated with being magic within the world of mages. Whereas that's that phrase indicates to me that at that time, at least 
there was a sense of isolation associated with being magic, which, you know, could be witch hunts or whatever, but that seemed, I don't know, that felt relevant to me, the idea of we're separated, not necessarily by choice from everyone else, and so we need each other, and the mage is coming in to say, trying to cause rift in the community that that idea is promoting how well am i saying these words I no no know. no no i i totally get it i totally get it because i and it i definitely feel it because i mean you could i feel when you have marginalized identities i feel like the kind of like why are we you know whenever it's like weird infighting or like weird bullshit that can happen where it's like gay people who are like transphobic and it's like the what it's like the world already sees you as a problem and you're gonna try to go in here and be like trans people's genders aren't valid like what the fuck and i feel and that's just kind of like as an example yeah no that makes sense and so and not to say that this you know they're using magic as a allegory for like people who have marginalized identities but it does kind of feel like uh we are maybe not a part of the whole world because people are trying to murder us so let's not then be suspicious and murder each other because we need to stick together and for the mage to be like that's not good enough is like just feels very icky (laughs) yeah 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 well said and i think you so what you said about you know magic not being an allegory for marginalized identities it could be the case that in the 1500s it was in a way that it's not now or could still be considered now if they hadn't separated so completely from normal society in the way that it seems like they have probably is more like at this point it just isn't because even if i guess we don't know how normals would respond if they knew about about magic folks but definitely at the time of like the advent of like the forced advent of christianity and stuff like that i think probably they were legitimately a marginalized population but i mean especially considering that i feel like a lot of the from my understanding a lot of witch trials and witch hunts were aimed at people who you know basically weren't the norm right quote unquote of the time like Maybe you were a single lady. Maybe you were a brown person. Maybe you just like, you know, weren't dependent on the patriarchy for your existence. And it's like, that person's a witch. Right. Honestly, who knows how many IRL core people were sort of wrapped up in that also. Totally. You don't know. Fuck, where was I going with this? (laughs) Yeah, I do think you're correct in that. Like, we we can assume quite a bit about like sort of what the realities of being a magician in this world were. At the time they built Watford, where it's like, you need a safe place to fucking go. Right. Yeah. Good talk. <laughs> okay. Is that... Are, I'm done with this section, are you? I'm also done with this section. Cool. You want to get sexy? Yeah! Let's get to the <laughs> sexy stuff. All right, welcome to 
send shivers down my spine where we talk about sexy stuff. Go. What? <laughs> Let's talk about candles in the wind. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Uh, so we learn <laughs> when before Simon murders the cab driver as the cab driver is singing enthusiastically to candles in the wind. That Candles in the Wind is allegedly a sex spell mm-hmm. in this magical world. For Simon calls it endurance. I'm like, is it just magical Viagra? Stamina, he calls it. Oh, you're right. He, he, I don't know why I ever done endurance when he said stamina. I don't. That's not what Viagra does, right? Viagra just no. like makes you able to get erect. Yeah, but like. And also to maintain that erection. So that's kind of what I was assuming this was like a perpetual hard-on spell. I think it would just prolong your time before reaching climax. That's fair. The other part of the spell we learned from Simon is that if you you emphasize the wrong syllables, it would turn into an unstoppable fire spell. Yeah. (laughs) Which is so great. (laughs) It's so funny. Okay, so I had to listen to this song to try to understand this. Because A, I've never really listened to the song. And B, no, that's it. That's why I listened to it. However, in listening to it, that song is about someone dying. It's about uh, Princess Diana. Great. So the, why didn't I fucking write it down? The line that makes it make sense is a stamina spell is a candle in the wind yeah never fading with the sunset so that makes sense in terms of the stamina piece of it what i don't understand is how those lyrics translate to an actual fire and this maybe should be in our is this just fantasy section but we're talking about it so we'll talk about it <laughs> I know, because the candle, the candle burns out, even though it's in the wind. So. I know. I guess we don't need to understand it. So Simon says that he would never use that spell because he's bad at innuendo. But he says, even if I had call for it. So is Simon a virgin? Not virginity is a social construct. Has Simon not had a kind of sex where he would want to be able to prolong his time to climax? Possibly not. And I'm only just saying that from what we have heard him describe, like, of Agatha, his girlfriend. Yeah. They are, like, 18. They've been dating for a long time. I find that hard to believe. I mean, maybe they're just doing other stuff. Yeah, they could be. It could also be, even if I had called for it, like, but I'm fine in that way or something. Yeah. Put a pin in it. (laughs) Baz. So many things about Baz. So many things about Baz. (laughs) We still have not even met Baz in the flesh and just so many. You should you should start with this. Simon tries to smell the remains of Baz in their room pretty rapidly upon arriving. He's like, oh, my bed. So comfortable. The fresh smell of the trees and whatever. And Baz uses posh soap. I wonder if I could smell a bit of that. 
<laughs> I try hard enough. To- totally normal things to think about your enemy. Um, totally normal things to think about someone who you're not sexually attracted to. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Just a uh, just casual casual pondering upon the signature scent of your least favorite person in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I also want to. I also want to bring up how he thought of Baz when he and he was in literally immediate danger. I know, and not Penny, who also would have had a handy list of spells that he could have used. She sure. She sure would have. But Baz, it would have been something in French, which we know is the sexiest of languages. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's almost as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Or listening to him talk talk in French. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the totally normal thing that enemies do, right? <laughs> you, got, you, got, you really got to know and study your enemy and like what they smell like and, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, he just he's just thinking of Baz left and right here. The merwolves. Baz hates the merwolves. <laughs> like, okay, Simon. Yep, exactly. I also want to bring up that uh, Simon lets us know that the that both goblins and devils are sexy in this world. It's true. I obviously, given the description of the goblins, think that they all look like Morn from Angel. right hot green kind of look like pop star yeah yeah seems correct i think i'm here for this great oh lauren's a great character i know i love him so much he's like the only lauren and gun are the only things that will are like maybe i could continue watching that show i haven't made it all the way through yet i just am like i it's not you get so many emails. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I mean, I'm, of course, Roger Die for Gun as one of the few black people in the Weedenverse <laughs> that you can be Roger Die for. So, yeah. Anyway, this is very off topic. Also very sexy, Charles Augusta, who plays Gun. Yeah. okay so our last segment this week is is this just fantasy where we talk about magic and you know magical creatures and other things as they relate yeah magic go we get to see simon perform some magic we do not very well no or and then too well yeah it's like very inconsistent which but yeah, uh, but also more about magic spells. We get so many more spells. We do. In this chapter. And I, obviously I'm a big nerd. I love that the magical spells seem to be based on like just really common sayings. Mm-hmm. Other things are like super overused. Because I mean, you have into thin air, which is just a thing people say. But you also have out, out, damp spot and candle in the wind, which are from like, very well-known art pieces right and it's just it's very i just i just 
I love it so much because the possibilities of like what could be a magical phrase and what it could do is like kind of endless. And it's mm. so interesting to think about. Also, it's, you know, this is based on language. It could be like you could have common phrases in like Spanish that are magical and things that are like in English that are magical or things that are right in any kind of language, which is definitely so cool. You mean not all Latin? Is that? Yes, not all fake Latin. That's yes. great. Um, yeah. Before this episode, I was just like, which Beyonce lyrics would definitely be magical spells? <laughs> oh, great question. Excellent question. I know. Yeah, so, right, we see Out, Out, Damn Spot, which I think is great because it... I think just because Simon says that he's seen Penny use that spell to get rid of quote unquote unspeakable things. Cause I guess you would without maybe a deeper understanding of the context of the Shakespeare would think that that would be sort of a low key cleaning spell. But then when you think about it in context, it's like, Oh no, that's a big, like you use that for cleaning things that, you know, literally can't come out because you're in a fugue state, which I am not familiar enough with that to just be like, I'm just, am knowing that I looked it up. I'm apparently going to do a lot of research for the spells <laughs> while reading this book. I know, I like did, didn't give myself enough time to do that. So I want to ask you a question because he tries to use take it away and we use take it away to mean like, do it, you start do the thing and not remove a thing. So how would that that phrase translate to getting rid of something? I mean, maybe it's like a moving spell, kind of. Like it would just move all of the, the blood and crap away. I guess like they would like, take it away, you know, maestro or whatever. Like you're, you're kind of like moving the attention from you to someone else Mm. so maybe it's like moving the blood and gunk and whatever off of the thing or away from the thing Ooh, into it i'm like thinking about it but most of my brain is occupied with how excited i am to be able to have conversations like this just like this is so great Yeah, nerdy, nerdy language conversations. I am definitely 110% here for because <sighs> this is going to be such a great podcast. I know. Okay. Uh, I the, so the one spell we the one spell we get that Simon almost thinks is a spell is uh my sister's keeper, which I assume is a finding spell. So it's I'm not my sister's keeper. You're right. Which I actually don't know what that's from. The Bible? That's what I thought too. Why? What? A? Why would we both know that? <laughs> oh, you went to Catholic school, so you have an excuse. I went to several years of Catholic elementary school, so. Also, I think that there is. I feel like there's religious based organizations that are like my brother's keeper or something, you know? Ah, from the Bible story of Cain and Abel. After Cain murdered his brother, God asked him where his brother was. Cain answered, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Would you use that as like, oh, like a confusion spell? Possibly. 
Or like a cloaking spell? I feel like a cloaking spell would definitely make sense. That must be confusing in a world where common phrases and, you know, idioms and things like that are spells. If you just want to casually say, like, I'm not my sister's keeper. But also you can be saying that thing and then, like, what if you're not thinking and all of a sudden something happens and you're like, oh, fuck. Probably depends on whether or not you're holding your wand, I assume. Maybe not with Simon, though. Because he does, when he when he's getting his magic to work, we see that sparks shoot not only out of his wand, but also out of his fingertips. Which is very interesting. Alright, thank you for listening to Escape from Reality. Next week, we will be doing chapters 4 and 5. And if you're reading along with us, you should read those chapters. If you like this podcast, make sure you check out our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet. That's you, Jesse. You can find us on the internet under the Gaily Prophet umbrella. We are on social media at The Gaily Prophet on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Oh, and Tumblr. Yes, Gaily Prophet podcast on Tumblr. There we go. Um, we will be posting about this here show on those channels also. Mm-hmm. You can also find more information about this podcast and The Gilly Prophet on our website, thegillyprophet.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegillyprophet. Heck yeah. Another way that you can support us that doesn't involve money is to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Those are really helpful because when people look up our podcast, if it's like no ratings or reviews, they're like, meh. But if it's like a bunch of great ratings and reviews, they're like, cool, let me check that out. So, you know, that'd be great if you wanted to do that. Also, just tell everyone that you know about this podcast the most effective way to get new people to listen to the show is to gush about the show to them. So a lot of people have a lot more time at home on their hands to listen to podcasts. Maybe you're caught up on all your podcasts. You should add two more. (laughs) Yes. Uh, If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at live from Detroit and on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. You can find me on the internet, mostly on Instagram, at Lark Malachi. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I, where I post a lot of pictures of my face and my dogs and talk a lot about being trans. So if that's something you're excited about, come follow me. It's fun. I also have a website, which is LarkMalachi.com, where you can see other stuff that I do with my time. Our show art is by the incredibly talented Theo Julian Forrester. And our theme music is by Kevin McLeod. And until next time. Scatamoosh. Excellent. Until next time. Scatamoosh. Scat- <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All, right, All right. Ready? Yes. Should I say until next time again? Yes. Okay. Okay.